You're listening to What She Said, a podcast about blogging, creativity and life online hosted by me, Lucy Lucraft, a freelance journalist and blogger based in Brighton. Hi, Kate. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you so much for having me. For anybody that doesn't know who you are, um, do you want to just introduce yourself, give us a little rundown of who you are, how you got into blogging and your blogging journey to where you are today, please? Yeah, of course. So um, full name's Kate McKibben. Um, I started blogging nearly 12 years ago now, um, which is makes me like a, a grandmother in <laughs> blogging terms. <laughs> Um, I, it was so long ago that you couldn't even schedule things to Facebook. So no. that's, yeah, it just kind of blows my mind. Um, but basically I started, um, well, it actually started out as an email. It wasn't even a blog when it started, but it was basically, I worked in fashion magazines and, um, again, to make me sound really old, it was right around the time that online shopping was starting. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you know, the whole magazine was about, you know, fashion and buying things mostly in stores. And I thought, wouldn't it be awesome? Because I kind of looked after their website, which was like one page. It's very boring. But I was like, wouldn't it be awesome if the website was about things you could buy online? And there was this kind of, you know, everyone looked at me like I was crazy. And they're like, oh, well, we don't really think people are going to buy things online, especially not clothes, because you've got to try them on. So maybe not. Um, (laughs) Which is one of my favorite conversations of all time to think back on now. Um, <laughs> That's a big I told you so, isn't it? Are, yes. yes. <laughs> you know, you can't, they're very smart people. You can't you can't see all the trends, I guess. Um, but anyway, I said, well, you know, I'm really excited about it. So do you mind if I do something around this? And they said, no, 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 go away. Um, that's fine. And it was also around the same time there was this newsletter which everyone in Australia that I knew was subscribed to called Daily Candy. I don't know if you know yeah, of it. Again, yeah. it was a long time ago. Um, but you couldn't buy any of the stuff on it because it was all like, oh, here's this really cute little crocheted hat that you can get at a stall in Brooklyn. And there might only be one of them and it was being sent to the entire world. And I kind of thought, well, it just seems a bit odd to recommend stuff to people who can't then buy it. So my idea was to basically create like a one a day little cute little shopping sort of recommendation, but everything had to be, everything had to deliver worldwide. And that's kind of, yeah, that's kind of how I started. And then it, you know, really took off. I think I was, I was very lucky initially, like right time, right place kind of thing. And within 12 months, it was my full-time job. And then, you know, I ended up having like four members of staff and an office and like the whole, you know, proper ticking all the boxes, growing up business kind of thing. Um, and then about five years ago, um, I had just had so many people sort of asking me like how I'd grown it and how I ran it and how I monetized it and all that kind of stuff. So I decided to create a course called, um, secret bloggers business. And that kind of started my love affair with courses and teaching online. And, um, I've recently sort of retired the name secret bloggers business, um, just because it was limiting me a little bit and, you know, I'm starting to want to play with some slightly different, not necessarily 100% blogging related things. So I'm now just going on to katemckibben.com. But, um, you know, over that time, I've created like eight different courses and two more coming out. And yeah, that's kind of how I ended up here. I think um, the audience, the audience of this podcast, well, I don't know, it's really difficult to tell because we're all in our, in our own echo chambers, right? But I, I feel like courses have properly blown up um in my echo chamber at least in the, in 
this year. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how you feel about that because you're in a completely different echo chamber to me. <laughs> so who knows? But um, I'm certainly a late adopter and I've had a couple of courses myself. And what I've seen is the sophistication that I see from people like you who've been doing courses for quite a long time um, in sales funnels and automation of the courses and things like that hasn't quite caught up to where there's a level of people, certainly the people that are listening to this podcast, who we aren't there yet. So, and I've listened to a podcast, a couple of podcasts with you and, oh my God, you just know so much. There's so many (laughs) light bulb moments. (laughs) so many light bulb moments um one of them was that you don't have to and I know you've learned this from doing it yourself and from making these mistakes yourself but you don't have to put all of your knowledge in one course (laughs) yes yes the kitchen course you don't need to do that (laughs) (laughs) it's really really common and it's something that I think anyone who likes to be of service and likes to help people, you know, we, you just generally, you, you just, you feel like the way to help people is just to give them absolutely everything that you've ever known about anything. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, you know, maybe slightly, you know, falling under an umbrella and of one particular topic, but you just go, okay, well, here's absolutely everything I've ever learned about blogging or here's absolutely everything I've ever learned about, I don't know, horse riding or whatever it is. And the, that is lovely and generous in its intent, um, but it actually it doesn't really serve you and it doesn't really actually serve the, the learner either usually because uh, the thing is what happens is, and you've probably found it if you've ever, you know, done any courses yourself or any like any kind of learning, like when you get in there and you're just bombarded mm. with content, yeah. you kind of go, oh, my gosh, this feels too hard or maybe I'll come back to it later and then you kind of lose them and they disengage and then, you know, they don't get the results they want because, well, they checked out and they didn't actually do it. And so they, uh, you know, you're then not kind of getting that nice like feedback of seeing people growing and succeeding and, um, you know, whatever it is that you're kind of helping them with. And they're kind of thinking, oh, this course wasn't that great when really it was probably the best, most, you know, jam-packed, amazing content, but it was just, it was just too much. Mm. So, if you overwhelm people, you will lose them. So it really, yeah, you really, and I said, it's, I did it at the start. Like my first course was literally like, here's eight years of everything I've ever learned about blogging. <laughs> <laughs> um, and in like massive, and it was, I wrote it all as well. Like it was wow. I didn't, really, it wasn't slides or anything like that. It was like all like painstakingly crafted. Like it, was like, it could have been a novel. There was so much content mm-hmm. in there. And yeah, and I found that you know the, the other problem with sort of doing that is that you don't then have a what's next for mm. your people. Um, and one of the best ways to sort of you know not to go to too high a level, but to like increase profitability and things like that is to take your tribe, make them you know help them to know and trust you, get them to take that first step and invest with you and then get them to take the next step because by giving someone a fantastic experience and a fantastic initial result, they're going to want that next result as well. And yeah, it's just kind of like one of those things that it is so lovely to overgive, but it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't help you. It doesn't help them. So it's better to just kind of pair it back and really think about like, okay, where are they now and where do they want to get to? And what is literally the the simplest way you can get them there and make it as easy for them as possible. And for a lot of people, it means 
getting rid of like 80% of your content and it might feel like it's light and it might feel like you haven't given enough, but at the end of the day, it's not about number of words. It's about results Mm. and impact. And you can usually do that in a much more pared back way. And I think, I think that also comes down to wanting to over deliver and justify a certain price as well because with pricing I think it can be really really hard maybe you want to make a certain amount of money for a course and therefore you're you're trying to justify oh I want to charge this much for it say 100 100 pounds um so there should be xyz um, number of weeks in the course or or xyz number of slides or whatever I should I don't know. I I I found that when I'm pricing my courses and thinking about the value that I'm offering, sometimes I forget about the the va- I, I literally forget about the value. Um and I yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the value in that what are you what do I want this person to learn? Yeah. Yeah, so it's it's not quantity, it's quality. Mm. Um when it comes to to learning because if you think about it, like if you wanted to learn a skill and someone said to you, okay, well, here's, you've got two options. You can do option A. It's probably, it's going to take a long time. Um, it's a lot of work on your end. You'll do a lot of reading or option two, option B, um, that this one is really quick. It'll probably take you about two weeks. Um, there's like one tenth of the amount of stuff that you kind of got to sift through and it's twice the price. Would you rather get to your outcome in eight weeks or with a lot of work or two weeks with little work? Like which one actually seems more valuable? Yeah, and I do think I do think that um, one of the reasons that well, I felt completely overwhelmed by courses since September. I feel like everybody. Well, like I say, it's kind of in my echo chamber. But I felt overwhelmed by the amount of courses out there, um, and so often I think you can pay twenty quid or whatever for a course. And then become so overwhelmed with it and it just sits there because you sort of think, well, I've bought the course, so now I've got the skill. <laughs> In my head, that's how it works. <laughs> it's kind of like the Matrix. It's like, he's like, yeah, I just download that now. Done. Like, I now know how. I'm now black belt in taekwondo like just overnight because <laughs> I bought a $20 course yeah but actually what it's about is yeah maybe making this more intentional purchases and it being slightly higher price point but actually I'd love yeah. to talk to you about price point and how you price your courses and your tips because I know you've got really brilliant tips on this as well well I think just um sorry just, I just remembered something when you were talking about that before that someone said to me the other day so basically it used to be information was like it was like they called it like the information era or whatever it is and information was so valuable so that like it was like the more information you put in something the more valuable it was um but now information is so readily available Mm. the thing that is actually the most valuable to people is saving them time Mm. or saving them money depending like obviously what your niche or topic is but normally like time and money are quite interlinked so that's just kind of yeah, just to kind of finish off that. <laughs> Sorry, no, that's a good... I thought it was, just such, it was one of those things when I heard it, I was like, oh my gosh, that's so, that is so true. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah that's a uh, truth bomb. <laughs> yeah, um, not my truth bomb, just passing along, but it was one that's <laughs> really stuck with me. Um, but pricing-wise, um, pricing, it really comes down to, like I said, it comes down to the value that you are giving um, your through the end result that you're going to help the person get and how much they kind of, value that end result as well and when people think you know like sometimes it's really easy to kind of go like for like like um 
I mean, this isn't a, a perfect example, but a friend of mine years ago had a really successful ebook. Obviously, ebooks are very low priced, but she it was about how to do your own hairstyle. So this was how she was trying to calculate the value. And she's like, well, if I can help someone not have to go to the hairdresser twice this year, I've saved them $100. So therefore, for them to learn how to be able to do their own hairstyles, you know, $100 yeah. seems kind of fair. Yeah. And anything below that is like quite good value. So that's kind of how she you know, in a really simple term, um, did it as well. Uh, when you're teaching people things around like how to grow their business mm-hmm. or how to do something which is going to help them to earn more money or something like that, again, it also can be quite easy to calculate because you can be like, well, by the end of this course or program, they should be able to be, uh, you know, selling X number of extra courses or they should have um, be getting X number of new people on their email list which should become X number of new sales. So therefore you know, worst case scenario, you should be able to help them earn at least this amount. And so, you know, a fair, you know, you might go, okay, well, 20% of that is probably considered to be a pretty good, you know, exchange of value. If you can say, okay, I'll help you earn $10,000 and, um, you know, I'll charge you $1,000 to be able to do that. Like that, again, it's that, um, it's just coming down to what is the value and making that, I just try and like to keep it really, really simple. And when it comes down to time, like a lot of people, things they're teaching, it's really about helping people to maybe get more time or get more quality time or get more enjoyment out of something they're doing. And that is, you know, obviously that's not a hugely tangible thing to put a price point on, but you just, you kind of have a look then in those kind of cases, you kind of think about like, okay, well, who is your ideal client and what is their time worth to them? Like what is, if you're going to, help someone have an extra two hours a week of quality time with their family, what's, you know, to that person, what's that worth? And, you know, you obviously, you don't price it to the equivalent of that for their entire lives, but maybe go, okay, so <laughs> what's that worth for a couple of weeks or something like that, you because know? you want people to obviously get more than, you know, a higher return on their investment than um, what it is that you've, your price point is. I mean, there's other ways as well, like there's really quite, easy ways if you're helping people to grow their business um, in some way you think about okay who's your uh, ideal target market and how much money do they earn and I personally think that it's sort of irresponsible to ever try like just say your target market earns five thousand dollars a month or something Mm. Um, I think like no no one should be spending more than like you know say ten percent if it's like on an ongoing basis on coaching if they're only a new business because there's so many expenses and things like that like you're going to end up if you're trying to target people who earn five thousand dollars a month you can't go charging them two thousand dollars a month because they're not going to be able to do anything around you know because they're going to be so strapped for cash because they're trying to pay you they can't really do anything else so i sort of have that sort of like as a maximum guide as well as like anything over ten percent of the business turnover is probably again um, might need to change who your target market is if you're needing to charge that much. I so. think that's interesting because there was uh, an episode uh, um, that was released a couple of weeks ago with Sass Petherick, which was about coaching and the ethics of coaching. And I think it's interesting that you <laughs> have that at the back of your mind as an irresponsible thing, it, like as a code of conduct, basically, for you, that you don't want to be charging more than 10% of somebody's earnings each month, I guess, or... Yeah, on a monthly kind of basis because, yeah, that just kind of – I know that when I set my budget, I always have in my budget 
money to invest in coaching and in, you know, business development and, and learning new things because I think you always have to be learning, getting coaching, mm-hmm. getting people to help you is one of the best ways to grow your business. But, yeah, and the thing and any time you kind of – because people get all kind of wrapped up and excited in something and I just sort of feel like um, we will actually – if people kind of sign up for something, we will, I always ask them how much they're earning at the start and if they've come in they're like, oh, nothing yet, I'll be like, well <laughs> – are you sure you want to buy this program because I don't want to be putting you like, I don't want anyone ever to be put in that kind of place. And it's, it's very hard to grow if you're stressed out and can't pay the bills. So it's about making the right investments at the right time. I think. Yeah, I completely agree. And I don't know if I've not heard anybody else say that in the same way as you, because I guess, um, when you're talking about your target market, sometimes it's really hard to know exactly how much they earn and you kind of don't want to make judgments on what they earn versus what money they have. But making things accessible is really important to me. And I don't do it very well at the moment, but it's something that is always on my mind. So yeah, the fact that you actually ask people how much they're earning, I think is, I mean, obviously, if they don't want to say, they don't want to say whatever, but that's great in terms of your intention thereafter to say actually you know what maybe this isn't for you I think that's really cool oh thank you <laughs> it, it, it's one of those things you have to create a business that kind of feels good and like aligns with your values and there's some people out there doing shady things on the internet and I almost feel like I have to be like over it <laughs> do the opposite like kind of go like way beyond the other direction to sort of you know help the reputation of the online market <laughs> basically I think that is important though because I mean, in the in the conversation that I had with Sass Petherick, um, who is a coach and she's qualified and she has a counselling background and a master's and all sorts of things. And she's really passionate about the ethics of coaching. And she said, specifically coaching, it's a complete wild, wild west. There's no regulations. I mean, certainly in the UK. And that means that there is hella people out there just being like, hey, I could be a coach. I've blogged for five years. I'm going to be a coach. Um, and charging you know whatever they charge but sometimes that's in often that's in the thousands and yeah like you say it's really exciting the whole online world and courses and the things that you that you feel like you can achieve with your business when you see a shiny sales page and I think it does behoove the rest of us to be as ethical as we possibly can be and just think about our values and make sure that we're not out there actively deceiving people or yeah not being a shady person yeah <laughs> and, and also like when you're thinking about like the people you want to work with like I've worked with thousands of people now over the last few years and the ones when you think about the ones who get the best results are the ones that you enjoy working with the most like it's normally you know it's probably a bit of an ego thing but like you enjoy seeing people you know, putting stuff into practice and then succeeding. And so you can kind of go, oh, yeah, I, I do know what I'm talking about. Good. You know, pat yourself on the back kind of thing where you watch this, um, you know, and those people who are normally able to get the best results, they're not the ones who have put every single last penny into something and then they like, they just kind of like hold it so tightly and they have this energy of the like, oh my gosh, you must make me thousands of dollars immediately because I've invested every single cent I've ever had in this. And if you don't, then you know, I think you're a scammer kind of thing. So again, it's like that picking your, your target market and having the right product and the right price point for whoever that target market is. And you can have different products at different price points aimed at different people, but it's just, 
I think, yeah, a lot of time with pricing, people kind of go, like you said, how much money do I want to make from this um, is like their first question. And then it's like, okay, well, how many do you think I can sell? Okay, I'll divide the amount of money by the number I think I can sell. And that's, you know, that's kind of how they come up with their pricing. But I think there's a few other considerations that need to kind of be in there when it's, you know, to create something that's really um, not just profitable, but that's actually enjoyable for you and, it's, you know, that people get great results from. And then it becomes this, you know, lovely little, um, it's a much nicer experience basically yeah, <laughs> for everybody involved, which is like, you know, which makes work enjoyable. And that's kind of what we all want. Yeah. And that's, that's why we're all doing what we're doing, especially if you've gone from a corporate job to an online job where you're your own boss, the whole normally normally the main reason the main benefit is that you're free you have freedom and it your business feels good and feels flexible and you don't want to be burdened by feeling kind of shady and gross about your pricing if you've ever listened to the podcast before you'll have heard me mention the blogger course and for good reason too Monica Stock created the travel hack back in 2009 and since then she's become one of the most respected travel bloggers in the UK if not the world She's worked with a gazillion brands and she even has her own suitcase, which is amazing by the way. Over a series of weeks, Monica shares tips on creating video content, branding, writing and the dreaded niche. <laughs> In fact, this was such a game changer of a chapter for me that I went from thinking I was just a travel blogger to knowing that I am something completely different and that I have a super tight niche. It really, really changed my blogging life. The course isn't the only thing that you'll get as all chapters are available for audio download and when you join you become a member of the Private Blogger Course Facebook group where members share tips, tricks and opportunities too. Monica also gave members of the course the chance to join her on a press trip this year. In fact I think they've been on two Blogger Course Weekenders with Wow Trip um, and there's more to come so that's a pretty cool opportunity and it's not one that I've seen with any other course. If you want to sign up, head to thebloggercourse.com today and get 20% off with the code what she said. That's 20% off with the code what she said. So I wanted to move on to something that I know, I mean, you know, selfishly, I want to know this for myself, um, <laughs> which is basically why I have a podcast, <laughs> to just find stuff out for myself for free. <laughs> Come in so I can ask all the questions. Yeah, love it. <laughs> Um, it's about promotion. So I have a list and I kind of accidentally started a list when I first started blogging and it was probably the best decision I accidentally ever made. Um, so I have a list and I nurtured it and it's um, got a really good open rate and all the rest of it. However, for my last three courses, all of them have missed sales targets massively. And I often hear that it's because I haven't promoted it enough and I hear all these kind of stats of somebody needs to see something seven times before they buy and da, 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 da. you know, there's lots of noise out there telling me and others how to sell their courses. But actually, I don't think it's about how much you promote. And I, I would love to hear your thoughts on it because you have loads of amazing tips on sales funnels and things like that. Yeah, so I've found... Um... For me, and I've, been, and I've been playing with this a bit myself because it was like there was when I first launched my first course, it was like the golden era of courses and you could send out like two emails and, you know, floods of sales came in because there was hardly anyone doing courses <laughs> and that was amazing. A dream. Um, 
Yes, sadly, not quite the same anymore. Um, but you know, that's all right. There's new, there's new things to do, new, new tactics and strategies and whatnot, and also just changing expectations and things as well. I think when it comes, one of the biggest lessons that I learned myself with uh, being a prolific course creator, as it sounds like you are as well, if you have three courses as well, is I think that having too many different courses, I mean, this is my experience anyway. Um, I found that one of the the number one bits of feedback I would get from people is that they'd be like, oh, but I don't know which one to buy. Mm. So they, you know, they would get promoted this one and that one and that one. And I think when I stood back and looked at it, it wasn't necessarily that having multiple courses is a bad thing. I think just what actually what I did was I didn't spend enough time really perfecting my messaging, my like the way, whatever my, my launch strategy, you know, the, the elements of that for any one of those courses enough that it then was going to perform as well as I wanted it to. Cause I was always then having to move on to the next thing and then the next thing and the next thing. So I was kind of doing, promoting a lot of different things sort of, you know, well, not badly, but, you know, not as well as they could be and sort of disappointingly. And I, and I was the same, I was like, oh, but I was really, you know, I was hoping that we'd be able to double our launch from last time or something like that. And then I'd look at the launch and be like, okay, well, what would make me think that this would double compared to last time other than the fact that I've now got more people on my email list uh, because I would be doing new stuff all the time as well. Like I was always like, okay, so this launch, I'm going to try this challenge. I'm going to do this webinar. Mm -hmm. And literally every single launch I did was basically completely new. So nothing in it was like proven. Yeah. And then that makes it really, really hard to then go back and go, okay, well, which bits worked and which bits didn't. And I've had conversations with friends of mine who've got, who have those amazing like multi-million dollar launches kind of thing, which is not something that I've ever done. And, you know, I hope to one day, but not there yet. Um, and, you know, and they all said that one of the biggest turning points for them was going, okay, I'm going to spend, you know, six to 12 months just getting really good at learning how to sell whatever product, like one product for now. So not even necessarily, sorry to interrupt. um, Yeah. (laughs) Not necessarily six to 12 months perfecting the product, but learning how to sell it. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously you want your product to be be good and to be getting results, but this is like really like just spending the time, like learning how to sell it, like learning what are the things that you can say to your audience that really resonate with them? What are the you know, like how long do they need to spend with you and get to know you to buy? Like one of my friends, she knows that if someone comes in and does like one of her challenges, they probably won't buy that time. There's like a 30% chance they'll buy next time and then there's like an even more greater chance they'll buy like the third time she wow. launches it. Like she's been kind of tracking all of these, all these things. So, and you can't really do that and you can't really spend that time getting that granular when you kind of, just do the next thing and the next yeah. thing and the next thing and you're always just doing new stuff all the time. And I know it's like really kind of frustrating and it's one of those things, particularly if you're creative, like you just want to do all the new things because mm. that's fun. <laughs> <laughs> but it can also be the thing that ends up shooting you in the foot because yeah. the tried and true stuff that you have proven that works that you can then, you know, sort of system systemize and repeat basically because you go yeah I know this bit converts at you know 15% or whatever it is um they're like okay great I'm going to keep that I'm going to 
add a different thing on and test that one thing. Like, and just sort of building it out piece by piece and nailing each piece as you go is how people end up having these massive, amazing launches. And it's also how people end up being able to kind of feel um, safe enough to invest money into Facebook ads and things like that for their launches because they know their launch converts at X percent. So then it's kind of, it's like, it's like a safe bet to go, okay, well you do your your backward sums and say, if I want to make a hundred sales, then I need, no, I need this many people and this many people will cost me this much, but it's okay because I'm going to make a hundred sales. So you kind of, you know that it's going to pay for itself. That's really interesting. Um, I could see myself when you were talking because I was going from course to course to course, completely different course to completely different course to completely different course, not spending any time analysing the previous how, how the previous launch went and what went well, what, what didn't go well. So, yeah, that resonated. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it, it was one of the things I had to learn that like the hard way as well. And I, I had a coach saying to me, we were planning out a launch and she's like, she's like, oh, you know, what do you want to do for this launch? And I told her whatever my number was. And she's like, oh, okay, well, what makes you think that that's achievable? I'm like, I, I don't know. It just sounds like a good number. <laughs> and she's like, oh, well, what, you know, what, you know, what percentage did it do last time? I'm like, oh, well, I'm not doing anything from last time. And she's like, what do you mean? <laughs> and I was like, oh, oh okay <laughs> she was just so distressed that I was just she was like why are you making it so hard for yourself I'm like I really don't know but thank you for pointing that out what is your best tip in terms of promoting a course because I haven't done webinars or anything like that they terrify me um all I do is a sales funnel a little bit of Instagram promotion and that's pretty much it well, as far as what's working at the moment, and it does sort of chop and change, but webinars are sadly one of the ones which do tend to you know convert the best, um, and they have for quite a while. Mm-hmm. Who knows? A year, two years. The internet loves to mix things up. Um, but it was you know it's, again, it's another thing I resist. I'm like I hate webinars. They scare me. I don't want to do. That. Do you not like them, or are you okay with them uh, now? I'm okay with them now, but to be honest, like it's, I feel like it's like a performance and I get full on stage fright. (laughs) So I like the the few hours beforehand, I'm like pacing around and I'm all nervous. I get, um, like I, when it's over, I've like normally lost my voice by the end of it. And it's just like this come down. I can't do anything afterwards. I'm all kind of like anxious. So it's, it's not really an enjoyable experience. And then, you know, add to the fact I'm in Australia and our internet is terrible. So usually halfway through it'll drop out or someone will lose sound or something and so it kind of you know ruins the flow (laughs) but I have learned that you know it is kind of a it's become a bit of a necessary evil but Mm -hmm. I because I am I love funnels um I like to do things the sort of the low stress way where possible which means I get to do a webinar once record it put it on evergreen and then you know that webinar keeps I don't have to keep doing the webinar. The webinar kind of is done. That's, so that's kind of how I've managed to sort of um, make my peace with it, I guess. I know I have to do it a couple of times if it's a new one to kind of get it right. And then once it's sort of working well enough, I'm like, okay, it's like, that's done now. <laughs> that's a really good tip. And what do, you do, what do you typically do in your webinar? Do you pick out one piece of the course that is, I don't know, your juiciest bit and talk about that and teach it? Yeah, so there's kind of like there's a bit of a 
formula, a webinar formula, I suppose. So normally, obviously, you start with a bit of an intro, then you go into what I call like the BS busters. So it's normally picking like three really commonly held beliefs that, you know, people will kind of have about the, the space or your topic or maybe even the solution. Like they think that, you know, diets are kind of a really easy one to use as an example. Like they might, people think they have to eat less and exercise more to lose weight. And you come in and you go, no, but that's BS because actually you've done that before, right? And it hasn't really worked. And I have a method that's different. So you kind of, you want to have them to have a bit of a, um, you know, one of those like moments of going, oh, oh, this person knows what they're talking about and it's different. Yeah. So you kind of have to have that little jarring moment. Then you do a little bit of teaching, but with the teaching again, you kind of, you can't give away too much because obviously then people are like, oh, you've solved my problems. Thanks. I don't need, <laughs> don't need any more help now. But it's finding that, you know, that sort of um, that middle ground between showing them that, yes, you know what you're talking about and completely solving all their problems somewhere yes. in between there. And then, you know, and then you have your, your offer at the end and just make sure that that offer is really awesome and that you um, have a few like, you know, lots of fantastic bonuses, uh, particularly extra bonuses if people buy immediately, like they buy on the webinar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's pretty much it. Like they, they take a little bit of sort of practice and you go try and keep them under as close to an hour as you can. Mine tend to go way, way over. <laughs> <laughs> an hour, my goodness. I, want, I was thinking, oh, I wonder if I could do a 15-minute one. But no, yeah, I suppose you do need to do it quite chunky. Yeah, yeah. So they... And, and it, the time goes really quickly. And then you have like a Q&A section at the end, which is normally like another 20 minutes or so. And um, yeah, I think the best way to learn webinars is to actually go and watch a few of them because there is a for, like there's a pretty set format that people follow. Well, that's what <laughs> and, I'll be doing. <laughs> yeah, it, it gets once you've seen a few, it's like when you sort of realize that, you know, like certain actresses or whatever like their movies are all the same and you know exactly what's going to happen next same with webinars I've seen a few of them you're like oh I bet you they're gonna start telling me about the pitch next <laughs> like you can kind of almost smell it coming um but you know that's fine I've, I've actually if there's something like if I've signed up for someone's webinar and I know that it's someone I actually want help with like I'm like I want to buy your thing I just can't be bothered listening to this webinar so I'm going to sign up for it I'm going to mute you and I'll come back in about 45 minutes when you start telling me what the offer is <laughs> That's another really good tip, actually. (laughs) Thank you so much. (laughs) My pleasure. I've just saved you so much time. (laughs) On that note, where can everybody find you online? And can you please tell us about um, your current course offering and what's going on for you? Also, is it absolutely boiling in Melbourne at the moment? (laughs) Uh, Yesterday it was really hot. Today they've just had about a month's worth of rain. Um, that's what Melbourne does. Yeah. So we're being very Melbourne. Right? <laughs> I remember four seasons in a day. <laughs> yeah. Who knows what it'll be like tomorrow. Um, but as far as on, um, courses at the moment, I'm focusing on my, I've got a newish course came out this year, which is called the 5k funnel formula. And it's all around how people can set up a funnel for their courses. Um, so it's about create, doing evergreens. So it's like how to do your webinars, how to do, um, set up and automate the email sequence. Um, and it's basically, because it's one of the things that I sort of see again and again, especially a lot of the people I work with, is that when you have your own business, like income is so unreliable, mm. and you know, and it's 
that thing like people want to work for themselves because they want to have freedom but when you never know if you're going to be able to pay your bills so you just work harder and harder that's not very free to me so I try and help people get basically like I call it the 5k funnel formula because it's to help people sort of get their five at first five thousand dollars which is like every month reliably through automated autopilot systems um so that's my that's my program um and you can come and find out more information on it or me or just come and say hi over at katemckibben.com, which no one ever spells right. So um, <laughs> try a few spellings. I read all the URLs. doesn't really <laughs> We'll put links in the show notes to make it really easy. Perfect. Um, and I'm on Instagram as well at katemckibben. So nice and easy. Perfect. Thank you so much for being a part of the podcast. I really enjoyed chatting. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening. You can find me at Lucy Lucraft everywhere. You can find old episodes of What She Said over at lucylucraft.com where you'll also find me chatting about all things blogging, travel, vegan life and zero waste living too. If you enjoyed this episode, you know what I'm going to ask you. (laughs) Please think about leaving a review for the show. It genuinely makes a massive difference to me. Um, And I really, really appreciate every single review you leave. I read every single one. They're really, really kind. And sometimes they even have a little cry when I read them because they're just so, so lovely. I respect and admire and appreciate every single one of you. Whether you leave a review or not, I just, I love that you listen and reach out and tweet me and whatever. And just remember that every review that you leave, I give two pounds to charity. 